Next, we have Dan Coward. Dan Coward is from Alkina Wines in the Barossa. Dan, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me on. So Dan was actually on the show, uh, I think it was February last year, so about a year ago, right? Yes. And yes. Simon interviewed you. And uh, I actually think it's quite a great story because I didn't realise that at the time. Um, the, the, obviously, the reason I wanted to speak with you is to congratulate you on uh, on the innovative winery of the year at the recent Young Gun Awards. So, first of all, well, congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, and when I found out that you had been on a year before, it made a lot of sense. And and the fact that, you know, the, we're, we're going to get you to speak about what it is um, that you won the Innovation Award for, and it really ties in with uh, what Simon brought you on at the very beginning. So, we're going to get a, a, a pre and a, and a post um, um, from Dan. So I'm going to hand it over to you and tell us, uh, so so what's the innovation that you've been uh, driving towards? Well, yes, as, as you suggest, um, I, I did spend time with uh, Simon um, last year and explained this this amazing project that we're involved with um, in Greenock in the Barossa Valley. And I'm sure both Simon and some of your listeners were probably scratching their, your, their heads and thinking, well, that that's, that sounds like a pretty far-fetched idea. Um, and it's, it's amazing to be able to come back on a year later and, um, and show that, that with this um, award that we won last week, there is some recognition uh, and some understanding of what we're attempting to do. Mm-hmm. And really that is... Um, a very detailed terroir-driven project. So we have this beautiful farm on the edge of Greenock, which is uh, 60 hectares um, organically and biodynamically farmed and certified. Um, there are 43 hectares of vines. And so that's quite a large vineyard. Uh, yeah, and a beautiful, beautiful huge. Spot. Um, but what we've done is by working with um, a, uh, a specialist called Pedro Parra, a Chilean terroir specialist, um, and Alberta Antonini, uh, and and led by the the local team, um, which is run by Amelia Nolan. Um, we have really taken the vineyard um, to pieces. Um, we have um, done some mapping work to understand where the the hard rock is, where the soft, silty, sandy material is. We've dug probably now 180 soil pits. Um, based on that mapping work to try and further identify um, what the actual rock is underneath the surface. Um, and so we've we've ne- then taken small parts of the vineyard um, and focused on those to begin with and really sort of drawn quite distinct maps where it might be, for example, 1.3 hectares of Grenache in the oldest part of the vineyard, 1950s plantings. Um, and... We've split that with um, Pedro's work into four um, smaller portions that we call polygons, um, which are about 0.3 hectares in size each, one being limestone-based, one being very schist-based, one being um, quite um, uh, uh, fractured clay-based. And we've sought to understand how the grapes and the wines that we make from these distinct little parcels, which we vinify and pick separately, um, differ. And then to try and draw some conclusions uh, and repeat them, I guess, learn each vintage 
which at the moment and and every year throws up incredibly different um, circumstances and and weather. Oh, absolutely, even more and more so in the recent even years. Even more and more so. So mm. um, it, it's been a fascinating journey to try and understand our little patch of dirt. And as we, as I would have said to Simon last year, we we we're not saying that that this little patch is any more special than anyone else's patch. It it's just it's distinctive and it's unique and it gives us detail and um, character that we think is really special. So look, it's so I guess so in a let's just keep it in a nutshell. That's you've given a great scientific overview, and I'm sure that's it's actually very uh, complex, um, very detailed. But basically, as you say, it's a terroir-driven project. That's yes. essentially what you're saying. And you know, we speak about that more and more now, over especially over the last. Even just like the last year or two, you know, I had Brian Crozer on a few months ago and he was definitely one of the pioneers of the Torah driven, how, how important it is to do. And um, and it's just fascinating. That's definitely the direction where that really everybody is going. Because if you if you don't have the right land, not every varietal will grow everywhere. And, and we all understand that. So it's um it's it's almost strange that it took so long for it to become such a main focus generally, not just for specific winemakers or um or wine brands, so it's uh, so that that's fantastic. And how, if if you can try and just keep it down a bit, when will we will we really start to see some of the some of the results? Oh, we're seeing them already. So um, we just again going back to that previous example with those with those different rock types, um, we notice the differences in those wines that we make. So sure, very simply with with Grenache on limestone, we see bright red fruits, lifted aromatics, um, very fine-grained um, uh, tannin. Um, and then uh, as a general rule, where we have Grenache on schist, we see darker fruit characters. We see wilder, less elegant, more powerful and wild character and sure. um, much more structured tannins. And a lot of it, a lot of our understanding is around texture and structure and, and really the, the in influence of rock on tannin. Um, and so, so we're seeing those differences already. And as Pedro said to us early on, I'm he said, I'm going to help you pull your vineyard into smaller pieces. And you may find that putting it all back together again will give you the best results. But you'll also learn along the way that the different parts will give you different different characters, and that's been that's been a really interesting part because blending is still a, a really important part of what we do as well. Of course, of course, and I mean, I mean, you haven't really been doing much of anything for that long. You're so young. I mean, your cellar doors opened up in 2020, which is a very interesting year to open up anything, wasn't it? Thanks, COVID. COVID yeah. What COVID? Um, um, I have a question about so Alkina, A L K I N A. It's it's actually an indigenous Australian girl's name. So who who came up with that? Because I understand the the background of Alkina is actually um, an Argentinian. Matt. Yes, so so really, Amelia has driven um, uh, a lot of the formation of Alkina um, here locally, and she's um, she, she's off in the Flinders Ranges today, out of out of uh, range of all of us. So otherwise, she, she would be, she'd be talking to you. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, so she spent a lot of time researching the area, um, and uh, she felt. Um, after thinking about the the long history um, of of I guess European settlement in the area, but also Australia's 
very, very long history um, with um, its Aboriginal population. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. The, the, the heart of this project um, needed to recognise and, and um, pay respect to the, uh, the very long history of, of, of the area and of um, this country, which is on, uh, we're on uh, Nudgeree country, uh, where we yep. are in Greenock. Absolutely, uh, and it's very, very important to acknowledge, for sure, for sure. Um, this is actually quite, quite fun um, because we have Prue Henschke who's joined us. And um, I thought maybe we could, uh, you know, we've only got, wow, 10 minutes left. I thought maybe we could um, do a bit of a joint uh, joint interview, especially given that, you know, the reason I contacted both of you is because you've both been as a wonderful award winners from the Young Gun Awards. So first of all, Prue, um, thank you very much for joining us. I know you are a very busy woman <laughs> and right now is mid vintage so i appreciate you taking time out how are you good thank you thank you for that is good me. congratulations again but you know this is just one of goodness me i've one is actually it, it takes about five minutes to read um, so i won't go into them too much but prue you're you're a viticulturalist and as we know that's that's different to a winemaker um can you can you give us your take on can you give us your take on on the 2021 vintage and the 2022 and what how it's shaping up to be? Well, the 21 was uh, surprisingly cool, dry but cool, and so tonnages were down, but we had the most amazing fruit. So I think the wines, especially the rieslings, and you must already noticed the number of awards for the rieslings pop up. Yes, that yeah. Uh, Riesling did exceptionally well that year. So um, it's funny. Sorry. And then 22 is almost a mirror image. It's just exactly the same. Um, kind of dry, although we've had more rain. But that cool February has just been an absolute surprise. And we've had uh, nourishing rain, what I call nourishing rain around Fraser. And that's really been exciting because that's when you get the flavour build up. Yep, no, absolutely. Uh, you just mentioned you know, your Riesling. Of, you're very famous for, of course, your, your Hill of Grace um, and, and, of course, the Mount Edelston vineyards. But your Riesling is very, very highly awarded. It's, it's delicious wine. And it is International Riesling Day today. So um, it's... Gosh, it's uh, there you go. There you go. From, that's probably the only thing about wine I will ever be able to teach you. <laughs> it's International Riesling Day. So it's a perfect time to crack it later. Um, what I want to uh, just to talk to you a bit about is... So everybody does know the Hill of Grace and I guess the last vintage was a 2016. Do you think you'll be, will there be a 2021 Hill of Grace? Um, I don't know yet. Um, there is a little bit of fruit, but not much. Right, okay. Um, so, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I think there's most probably enough to do a small release. Right. Okay. Well, well, I'm sure that will be gone before I could get my hands on it. Um, so there's there's a much lesser known. Oh, I shouldn't say lesser known, but your Hill of Roses, which is which has come through, and I find this so interesting. Your vineyard replanting. Um, I'd rather you explain it uh, to our listeners that than than me. You do it greater justice. Can you explain how that came about and how and what the Hill of Roses is? Well, I guess this is us coming back from Geisenheim in Germany. Uh, knowing what they do with uh, clonal selection, and we decided, well, we could do a mass selection on Hill of Grace and Mount Eddleston to uh, replace some of the vines. Because at one stage we were thinking of uh, actually removing a quarter of the vineyard because the 
Utipa is so bad and replanting the vineyard gradually that way. And then we thought, no, this is a crime. <laughs> it's a crime against the vine. And <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> and so we decided to do a mass selection of both those vineyards. And over the three years from 80, 86 to 89, I had a... a German girl helped me actually, uh, or she, and we both went through those vines, planted up um, a nursery at Mount Edelston, and then the next thirty years we did the selection process. Wow, that that's that's yeah. some long term oh. planning. That's yeah, very on Australian good long term planning. Well done. Well, we we were looking for a consistency in our results. You couldn't do it in three years, so. No. Um, we we decided to really draw it out until we got a, a proper um, concentration of those vines that were performing well in that scudic diagram, and we did. We we actually planted out 17 selections of Mount Edelston and six of Hill of Grace. Beautiful, so. beautiful. So, Dan, I've got to ask you, have you been fortunate enough to try Hill of Grace? I have, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. I've been very lucky. I... I was um, very fortunate to go to a vertical tasting of, of all of the vintages of Hill of Grace oh. a few years oh. ago, which was, I, I have to say, the most special um, wine tasting I have ever been a part of. Um, I, it I was, don't think it gets much better than that, Dan. It was the most memorable day I've had in wine, I think, to be, to be, to be honest. Um, it was very special. Wow. So I actually have a bit of a story. Um, I'll try to keep this very short. My introduction to red wine was Hill of Grace, but it was a little bit by accident. I was um, I was about 19 and I had a friend over. My parents were going out. Now, my grandmother um, was a, like a, a, she had a wonderful cellar and she always loved her, that one Semyon from Tyrrell's and she loved her Hill of Grace from Henschke. And I, at the time, I'd never heard of Henschke. I had no idea about wine. I'd had some white wine. That's about it. And she'd given my father some bottles with a red cross on it. Now, unbeknownst to me, that meant exquisite wine don't just pull out randomly. I see a red cross and think that must mean it's not so good. You get it, right? The Red Cross. Thank you, Prue. You get it. So here I am. And I'm like, well, mum and dad want me to try some wines. So how about we pull this? I'm like, what's this hinge hill of grey? Oh, it, whatever. It'll do. So here we drink and I'm like, oh, God, this red wine business is really good. And uh, so I was sold on that. My, my The next day, my dad said, oh, so what wine did you try? And I said, oh, I can't really remember. It was a, started with H. And he said, is that, was that Henschke? And I said, yeah, something like that. And he said, uh, did you enjoy it? And I said, it was really good. <laughs> and and he was like, I'm glad you think so. And actually, you know, I, I take my hat off to him. He didn't actually let me know. I did my own research and found out that it was about, it was, it cost about twice the amount of my car at the time. And that's not even a joke. So um, that was my introduction to red wine. And everything's just been downhill since. Kidding, kidding. But uh, it is a very special wine. So look, I'll, I'll, I'll hand back over to you guys um, to do a, yeah, to do a vertical tasting. What what years would have they been? What what year did we start with, Prue? Was it 58? Uh, yes, Hill of Grace started in 58. Um, and then it would have gone through most of the 60s and uh, all of the 70s except 74 and then 80s. Uh, we, had, we, we had a few gaps in the 2000s, that's where it 
Yes, I, I remember the, the, there were only, I think you only had two bottles left of the 1958 and you had them both there ready to open in case one wasn't performing. But the first bottle that you opened was was unbelievably pristine and was one of the, the best wines of the whole tasting for me. It was, a, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> yes. So I can only imagine. So the 58, you, are, that, you actually had literally the last two bottles. Is that right? The last one. Yeah. Wow. But were the wow. last, the second to last one. There's still one left, I think. Yeah. How, um, how much? How much do you have left of the 2016? Uh, well, we most probably have a little bit set aside uh, for Steve Seller. Museum and rare. <laughs> but um, yeah, we just set a little bit aside to help restaurants with aged wine stock. Um, but yeah, we, we're sold out. Right. Okay. No, I'm, I'm not surprised. Now, guys, we are coming up to time. I actually think this has been quite fun to be able to have you both on. And of course, you know each other. That that only makes sense. Um, here, Dan is. I'm like, Dan, have you tried Hill of Grace? Have I? Um, so, uh, so let's just in in view of uh, International Riesling Day today, uh, Dan. Let's start with you. What Riesling would you choose to drink tonight? Oh goodness! Uh, well, I'd have to, I'd have to choose some, <laughs> to some Julius Riesling, of course. Um, uh, look, um, let me throw one other. Uh, you've, you've mentioned some great Claire um, and Eden Valley Rieslings so far. Um, let me throw one one idea from the West, um, just to to broaden everyone's horizons. I think Franklin Estate makes some really really stunning Riesling as well. So, um, if I could get a, my hands on a bottle of that, I will I will suggest that one too. Well, that is a good call. And look, Prue, just quickly, would 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 you be having one of yours or something different? I think we might as well have one of ours, but also one from Germany. I mean, because oh, yeah. we spent so much time there and um, studied there. And it was just a, a wonderful visit into the world of Riesling there. And, and yep. uh, yeah, we've still got good friends there too. It's just lovely. <laughs> of course. So it's been good to them. Look, guys, this has been so fun. I am going to have to uh, hand it on to the next show. So thank you so much for your time. Um, I, I'm looking forward to uh, to tasting your wines, knowing that 2022 is going to be a great vintage. And um you take care, have a wonderful day, and I am going to be handing over to our scouting around guys, Lawrence and Charlie. Everybody have a great Sunday. Enjoy a Riesling. Bye. Bye-bye.